Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the Outdoor Living Hour here at Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988, already the third Saturday of the month, Jay Harper's in studio, and we've got a lot of content to cover today, uh, a little bit later in the hour. Ray Lopez will be in studio joining us. We're going to spend a half hour talking about weed control and pre-emergence uh, with his company, Scottsdale Weed Control, and then we're going to talk... Uh, segment about converting to an artificial turf with his other sister company, Liberty Green. So we'll have a lot of great uh, stuff. The, the last time you'll ever have to transition to a winter lawn. But before we get to all that, we're going to spend the first half hour talking about fall vegetables. And if you'd like to talk about fall vegetables, weed control, or artificial turf, or anything about your landscape or garden, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923. You can even drop an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com if you'd like to send us a picture for a little plant or insect identification. Good morning, sir. Howdy. A lot of people, if you're if you're not out early in the morning, you don't realize how close to fall we are. The last this last week you could uh I, I tell people you can smell it. It just it just smells, feels the angle of the sun, even in the afternoon. You know, it starts cooling off a little quicker. The sun's angled. It's way further south. It's just a different different look. I, I was in uh, uh, Thursday. I went to Cochise County, went to Wilcox, went down there. And you could really feel it down there. Middle of the day, there was a breeze. It was about 75 degrees. It had rained pretty good the night before. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, we're close. I think we're over the hump for the really bad, bad hot stuff. And when you say a breeze in Wilcox, like 30 miles an hour. No, it was just a breeze. It was only about 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, to them, to them it's not windy till it's about 30 miles an hour. Pr- pretty country, but no, no shortage of wind in southern yeah, they're start, you know, they're, they're starting to harvest the corn, and it just, you know, it just was that. It just, you know, you know if you get out, of, take a little trip around Arizona, you can get the seasons. You know, people complain about not having them living in Phoenix, but you don't have to go too far. You can get them. We've got a lot of elevation, and that brings the seasons to, to any Arizona yep. that's willing to just get out there and explore a little yep. bit. Yep. So they're harvesting corn in southern Arizona. What can we be planting in Maricopa County for our fall gardens? Well, it's it's kind of neat, again, if you can just get out and drive a little bit. So if you can drive to the, to the east side along the 101, uh, about Indian School, and look off to the east side, there's a, there's a uh, farming company that now is growing produce there and they've started uh you know if you if you'd have been by there a month or so ago you'd have seen piles of compost they were working in compost and now they're actually planting so they got their soil ready you know in july and august and now you know about a week or two ago they started planting and so winter vegetables in in the desert we've we've said this many times but think of things that you would eat a root maybe a partial stem or flower or a leaf of. So carrots and radishes and turnips and beets and then, uh, you know, lettuces and spinach and cauliflower and cabbage. All of those types of things are, are tried and true winter vegetables. And the beauty of those is you're not too late. It's just starting and you have all winter to do it. And you can do multiple crops. So where, you know, 
in the case of of our spring, you know, you plant tomato. You either you either make the tomato crop or you don't. You don't have another chance at it. Here, you could grow spinach and grow a little bit of spinach, and then a couple three weeks later, plant some more. And so you had spinach, let's just say, coming on two or three or four times through the season. So you're not inundated with all of your spinach all at once. You could do that with pretty much all of our our winter crops. It's such a nice long season to do that with. So root roots, leaves, and then maybe the modified stem or flower of. So, and we always talk about having one that plant variety that's just really hard to kill. So you you have success. <laughs> You've got to have idea. your 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 great success plant. What what vegetable? Because carrots can be hard if you don't get your ground deep enough. You end up with little tiny nubs. Um, Radishes are pretty easy um, for kids, especially if you've got kids and you want them to have kind of instant success. Um, and the and the cool thing with those, you can buy kind of a mixed packet of seeds with, and they and they grow. You can plant them from seed, so it's fun to let kids watch the whole process take place. And and they have these mixed uh, radish varieties, so you can get the, you know, if you don't like all, you know, if you don't want one that's real spicy or hot, you can get some sweet ones and white ones and red ones and different things in there. So I think radishes would be my number one choice. And most of the leafy things, most of the lettuces, um, spinaches, those types of things, spring mix probably be a, be a good one too. Then you get, you get to see the different colors and leaf colors and, and those things. So those would be the things I would probably try first. Um, and, and then people ask what to plant. I said, well, here's the list of things you could plant, but what do you like? To, what are you going to eat? Uh, you certainly want to plant what you're going to use. So, Yeah, we learned that. You, and there was – you had shared a joke in years back about you know, the only reason you grow zucchini so you can provide it to your neighbor. That's a <laughs> – I, I don't – that's a very – that's I know we're not in the season for that one, but I, I remember planting that and being like, oh, my – it's the reason people in the Midwest keep their car doors and house doors locked at night because <laughs> the neighbor will come fill up your car full of zucchini if you don't. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's one that you, you can make it good, but it's not something you just go to the fridge, pick up, and start munching on, at least me. Yeah, raw zucchini is not, uh, you know, uh, some people eat it, and it's it's okay, but, you know, you can make a lot of things out of zucchini. Zucchini bread – uh, we we end up eating a lot of banana bread because I don't know about you, Rosie, but we buy five or six bananas and <laughs> eat one or a half of one, and you end up me. with a lot of. So we got all these black bananas in our freezer, and we accumulate them, and then Trina makes a couple of batches of banana bread. You can do the same thing with zucchini. Zucchini bread. Well, let's talk about soil prep first of all. There's a lot uh, you would mention. You can drive around and see the farms off the different freeways and all the prep that they're have been doing getting their soil ready yeah obviously we don't need to do nearly that in a 50 square foot 100 square foot backyard garden if somebody's not just going to go buy bag mix and put it down uh you guys have had and forever the the harper's yeah i think we even finally put it on our website we talked about it a long time and I yeah, think, I, I, I thought you did, but I'm going to search that here real quick uh, while we're talking about. But the, the 
garden mix. I can walk them through it. So if you figure it based on ten a 10 by 10 garden, 100 square feet, you need – I know it by heart. Imagine that. You need six two-cubic-foot bags of some type of composted material, you know, a, a good garden compost. You need, oh, some somewhere between 5 and 10 pounds of gypsum. And I like to do a go three, four, five pounds of bone meal and a couple pounds of blood meal. And I like to do this a couple of weeks prior to planting. Um, And if you wanted to go more than two weeks before, you could substitute that just compost for a manure product. But uh, you definitely don't want to do manure if you're going to plant, you know, that same day or, or within a few days. If you use just good garden compost, you could basically do this and plant that day. Although I find it best if you take a couple weeks, break the soil up first, then mix these ingredients into the soil, then water it good a couple of times, and then and then you're ready to plant. And you want to you want to mix these products into. I like to go the depth. If you've got a basic long-handled shovel, not a little kitty shovel. But a, but a regular spade-type shovel, go the depth of the blade of that shovel, so, you know, 10 inches or so. The foot's better. The deeper, the better. And if you if you get ahead of it and you can get some moisture in that ground and work it uh, and take it a couple of times if you're not in a hurry, you can eventually get there by hand without renting a rototiller or whatever. Um, and, of course, once you've done this the first time, then every subsequent time you do it, it's just going to be a lot easier. So we go back over that 100 square feet, six two-cubic foot bags of some type of garden compost, five to ten pounds of gypsum, four to five pounds of bone meal, two pounds of blood meal, and you're ready to go. And we did ha- post that on our website. I, w- I typed in our search engine, Harper Soil, and it came up with the, awesome. the link for that recipe cool. if you'd like to go. I don't know. We and- handed out a million of those sheets over the years. <laughs> And I I think I still have one in my gardening folder at home, Okay, one of the old physical print copies. I know it would probably be hard to say, but, I mean, if you're doing that versus buying pre-mixed soil, what's the cost difference we're looking at there? Well, um, it's probably – let's see in the top of my head, that's – it's probably a third, but the other thing I, I probably wouldn't take a very high end quality premix soil and just till it in the ground. So we're talking about this mix is for if you're growing in ground. A premix soil or a soilless mix or a you know above they call them container garden mix, vegetable garden mix, all these things are really designed for an above ground or raised bed garden where you're just. You have a structure or you take bricks or whatever, however you're making your uh, garden, building it up and putting it on top of the of the native soil. And then you're just dumping a bag into that uh, confined area. Uh, and if you're doing that, you, you don't want to use any native soil. I've seen people make that mistake and you don't want, you know, you go to all that trouble of building this nice above ground garden. You want to have you know, as pristine a growing mix in there as you can. So you want to buy a 
you could make your own. We could get into that. Uh, um, but it's basically a base of peat moss and some perlite or vermiculite uh, and maybe a little bit of uh, of uh, composted material and kind of blend that all together and you end up with a soilless mix. And you could save a little money doing that as opposed to buying a pre-made mix. But growing it in the ground is obviously cheaper. You don't have to buy the material to build a raised uh, garden to begin with. Of course, that's a one-time purchase. And then the soil, preparing the soil that way is, I would guess it's a third, maybe a fourth the cost of buying pre-prepared uh, above-ground garden mix soil. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love. Homegrown tomatoes. Text question from a listener wants to know about corn. They planted a row from seed in July. They're about five feet high. Water uh, daily. Miracle Grow weekly. Hand pollinated three times. Feel my ears should be bigger. Some stalks are growing two, three, or four ears. Is that normal? Well, when you have, you lose track of how many days over 110 degrees it was <laughs> from July into August. You probably did pretty good. Uh, a tough, tough summer to to grow a, a late summer fall crop of corn. Even the guys, you know, at at the elevation that. Sulphur Springs, Whitewater Draw is down southeast Arizona. Their corn is pretty, is not going to be the greatest crop they've ever had. Let's just say this. So I, I think probably just with, given the weather that we had, uh, you probably did all right. <laughs> and another question, a 300-square-foot garden area preparing for gardening this coming spring. So doesn't sound like any plans for the fall, but right. spending a lot of time getting ready for, you know, you know, our spring guards, melons, tomatoes, uh, the, the stuff I enjoy eating. More. Peppers, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> squash, yep. Got it almost 12 foot deep. There's no soil. Uh, 12 feet deep? Twelve. Well, they may have put it wrong. You're plenty deep. You can stop. It's okay. <laughs> well, you did say deep. <laughs> Deeper the better. It could be a fortune to backfill that. So let's say they've got a foot dug out. Let's hope. There's no soil. What do I add to start the composting process? And where does one go to find good soil? FYI, I travel all over northern Arizona for work with a trailer. So I guess he's saying I can pick up material all anywhere on the northern Arizona during my work route. Well, you, you want a, a mixture of what they call brown. If you're going to, so I take it he's going to compost in this area and let it break down and then use that to grow in. I, I'm assuming that's what it sounds like. Um, hopefully, he has saved some of that native soil because you you don't want to plant in straight compost. Um, it's you know it's just there's not enough body to it. Uh, it, it you know it water runs right through it typically and and uh, you know it's, it's it's almost too rich. So uh, if when most people tell you how to compost, they kind of layer it. It's kind of like lasagna. You kind of put some green material. So lawn clippings, trimmings, uh, you know the leftover lettuce, the green stuff out of the uh, out of the kitchen, the trimmings. And then a layer of, of of a little bit of soil or some browner material, and then you just need to repeat that. 
until you get it up. Now you got to realize that, you know, that's going to shrink when it all composts and breaks down. You know, to, it could be a, if, a third of of the size of when you put it in. If it's a foot deep, don't be afraid to put three feet of soil. Yeah, on there. maybe. <laughs> yeah, Material. maybe. Yeah, could could be. You know, I was going to say about a third of of what you start with is what you're going to end up with. So. As far as where to get material, any place you can find good, good uh, ground-up organic material. Um, Not nor- Northern Arizona, I you know I don't you need, don't need to go do that. You can go down to to uh, Grow Well at Twenty Seventh Avenue and Lower Buckeye and buy bulk comp- you know compost or mulch and start with that. Um, uh, Sing Farms in South Scottsdale sells you know some some ground product you could talk to uh some of the tree trimming services um will give you deliver to you uh if they're trimming trees in your area they're chipped chipped bark chipped wood um so what you got to realize though is that once you get all that compost there's then there's still no nutrients basically in that so you need to either use some manure product or and I would still probably do that and add, uh, like we talked about with with the uh, the garden prep mix, mix some bone meal and blood meal or a organic, complete organic fertilizer or something like that. In that, you don't need to do that till right before you're ready to plant. But using some nitrogen with that will also help that process speed up the little microorganisms that help break. Uh, the, the the material into compost uh, use nitrogen as their fuel. Um, so adding some organic source of nitrogen, some manure or uh, some blood meal or something like that along the way will help speed that process up. And a little bit of moisture too. It's got to have some moisture to, to heat up and fuel itself. Text questions can be sent to 411-923 if you'd like to talk. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you. I was going to bring Matt into the conversation. He wants to talk about uh, taking care of his citrus trees. So hang tight. We can do a lot, but we can't stop the clock. That music means we're going to bottom of the hour news break, and we'll also be picking up Ray Lopez, Scottsdale Weed Control. And I've actually got text in already with pictures of weeds that people want help to uh, eradicate. So we'll get to that here after bottom of the hour news. But as long as there's still dirt, I know I'm always gonna be pulling weeds. Well, you don't have to pull weeds, not if you manage your landscape correctly. We've got uh, joining us in studio with Jay Harper, a guest, Ray Lopez, Scottsdale Weed Control. And I'd mentioned at the beginning of the program that you were going to be in studio, Ray. And I got a text from uh, a loyal listener, not only a loyal listener, but uh, he's one of our flooring specialists, Mr. Vaughn Payne of East Valley Floors. Uh, he's apparently, uh, you know, a flooring guy. Where, where's the floor? It's on the ground. You got to spend a lot of time down there. Well, he, he doesn't mind being down there laying tile or hardwood floor or setting your carpet seems right. He does not want to be down on his knees in his yard pulling pulling weeds out of his lawn and he texted this picture of something that he says grows three times faster than my bermuda uh and me and a few of my neighbors are struggling with this what is it what can i get rid of and we've posted that picture on today's uh podcast page so people can go see it 
uh, Ray, it is a. Oh, the we well. Good morning, Romy, Rosie, and Jay, and uh, great to be here. Uh, the weed is crabgrass. It's smoother, and the best way to deal with that early spring, just pre-emerge. Uh, pendulum aqua cap is a good pre-emerge on that, and we don't really have a lot to kill the crabgrass in the grass because they're they're both monocots, they're both grasses. So other than that, we just we just try to do a a healthy pre-emergent fertilizer. Sometimes insecticides and fungicides early spring. John, didn't your mic's not on? <laughs> well, we. John, uh, didn't your dad have a cure MSM, for MSMA hidden away somewhere. <laughs> we, we don't. We don't use that anymore. <laughs> well, I, no, that's an old school. Well, I, I, I thought his cure was a for sale sign. Well, that was nut, that, grass, nut, oh, nut grass. grass. Yeah, nut sedge. Just just put a for sale sign up and move. MSMA burns the grass as bad as it does the crabgrass. And then if you use it when it's too hot, yeah. yeah I don't think it's yeah. off the market. You, don't worry about yeah. buying it. You can't get it. <laughs> so so we, we normally just do a prevention. And that's what we do at Rosie's house. We just do a pre emergent early spring, uh, March, April. Now, obviously May. Yeah, those good months. In this case for Vaughn, we missed the pre emergent, he has it now. Uh, is there and and it's a Bermuda lawn. Right. Which is getting ready to go dormant. So, is there any? Well, I need to know: is he going to overseed? Okay, because that would determine whether what product you use to kill it. Yeah, because you don't so, want to put something down that's going to keep you from being able to germinate rye. Right. So we can use gallery before rye, but we can't use pendulum. Gallery helps with the uh, broadleaf weeds; doesn't really affect the grass weeds. So, it's not even going to grow in the winter anyway. It's a summer. Weeds, so we're worried about those summer weeds. That's why we try to do March, April, May, do a pre-emergent in the lawn. You could do two of them. And then we just try to control the crabgrass. And otherwise, just dig them out by hand right now. I just hate to say that, but. He's got a brother that's a farmer. He ought to have a little farming gene in him. <laughs> Vaughn. Yeah. So <laughs> he knows how to use a weeder. <laughs> So they're getting ready to go dormant, weed it, torch it, get get Rosie's Rosie, little propane, yeah, get his little propane out thing there. out there and burn. It, if you, know. you still have some when the Bermuda's dormant, which you probably won't, you could do a, a roundup on it, glyphosate. Doesn't have to be roundup. It can be any kind of the glyphosates, but a two four D is not going to be active against it because it works on broadleaves. So mainly we want the systemic glyphosates on that and it'll work and it won't hurt the Bermuda during the dormancy time. So that's Vaughn's question. If you've got a question on it, you can join the conversation. one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE4U. Text questions can be sent to 411-923 and you can also email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com and we had not the best monsoon but a couple weeks ago we had a pretty good downpour across the state and I've noticed in my yard, all the little green heads starting to pop up. What's our winter weed crop that we're going to be seeing c- coming up? No, oh, you have a myriad of different weeds. Uh, we're going to get some. Of, we're going to get some of the uh, some of the grasses here. We're going to get the red stem fillories. The just uh, there's a lot of different weeds we have during the winter weeds. So what we would do is pre-emerge for winter and spring weeds right now. 
And that's what we're we're actively doing now is stopping the winter and spring weeds almost into the summer. So we get a six-month coverage of those. And then uh, it, that works pretty good. So there's about 80 different types of weeds that come up. Which ones do you want me to name? Jay can help me with all those. <laughs> and we are getting that stink net. Yeah, stink net. So the stink yeah. net is an evasive species Yeah, it's... that the uh, gaming fish, I think, does not like at all. Very. I don't imagine anybody likes it too well. It's 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 very vigorous and invasive and doesn't smell good. And the deer don't eat it. I don't think much eats it. No, and it's and it's very prolific. So if you have a spot of it on your acre up in North Scottsdale, next year you won't have a spot. You'll have half an acre of a stink. Well, you can drive around right now and even yeah, on the in the freeways and see all the dead. You know, because it burns up in the summertime. And you can just see all these these big areas are just brown, and that's what it is. It's that dead. So a fire hazard too. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So we mainly so wild chamomile. It's a chamomile, wild chamomile, stink net they call it because it has a very, if you step on it, break it, pick it, it's very odiferous. Where did it come from? I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, it just it only recently to the valley, maybe eight years ago. It's been in pretty short. Yeah, in the last few years. Uh, it's uh, taken off like a wildfire. So I would recommend all those acres up there. We're pre-emerging now for that and other things. When you're using Pendulum and SureGuard or Gallery and SureGuard, they're clearer, safer materials. Those are really effective on SnakeNet. If you're just using Pendulum, it's not going to work as well. So, again, you have to know what the weed is and then go from there. And that's how you ID what you're what you're focused on, and then shoot it. So that's about it for that. And they are so. And and just to, I, I think we've talked about this, but I was at a, at a conference with Vaughn's brother here a month or so ago. He's a, a pecan farmer, and at the big pecan conference in Tucson, they they, they had a guy from the National Weather Service. And they are at this point. There's a 67 percent chance of a better than average El Nino. Oh, so, good. That if you you know if you want to take that into consideration, if you're on the fence about whether to pre-emerge or not, if we have anywhere near that prediction of winter moisture, you're going to be dealing with a lot of weeds. So, and I didn't know. say good because of the weeds. I'm saying we need the water. <laughs> Yeah. We just need the water. So we didn't have a really hot monsoon. And uh, just those few rains we did have, look at the weeds on the, on the, we're along the right of ways and stuff. Doesn't take much. No, not so, very prolific. I wish our grass could grow that well. (laughs) Very, weeds are very opportunistic. There's no doubt about that. And the the number of seeds that are out there is just billions, trillions. And on each stink net, if you look at those little orange, Globe flowers because it's globe chamomile. Yeah. Each one of those has what, ten thousand little seeds, and there's about a hundred on each plant. The other thing I learned the hard way too. I was out. I need to go look at something in a desert, in a farm, in a and I had to walk through this area. If you walk through that stuff, <laughs> your legs <laughs> would be yellow. <laughs> your I, shoes, your 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 pants from your knees down. Or just yellow, and you de- you can't brush it off. It's you're on it. It washes out, but 
man, it'll it'll turn you yellow. I do have a quick story. One second. A friend of mine does weed control in East Mesa. He won't do any properties that have the globe cow meal. He has an allergic reaction to it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I could see that. So he, he literally can't breathe afterwards. And, and it's funny you'd mention allergies because as y'all were talking about that, I was sitting here wondering what uh, what weeds have are notorious for you know people with allergies that they need to be watching out for mm-hmm. that are going to be coming up. Because there's one. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it's – and you were talking about yellow. It might have been what you're talking about. Uh, it's a kind of grows round, bushy, real fine yellow, but it comes out in the springtime. And man, I could pick one of those weeds out, and I, I'm sneezing for a half hour. Well, this would be in the spring. This blooms yeah. in <laughs> That's the spring. The one. That's got to be. That's probably it. it. And it, it is. It gets into your lungs. It's nasty. And it shuts them down for. Uh, so he won't go to those properties if they have uh, stink net. And that's weird. he's a weed control company, but he won't go out and spray those. Yeah. Well, right now you talk about allergies, and right now is when late summer, early fall is when a lot of your summer weeds or annuals or grasses are all going to go to seed, and they're still all blooming, so they're all putting pollen out, you know. So the Bermuda grass. Uh, too. Bermuda grass is we're trying to you know it's trying to seed, and if you know, so there's lots of good goodies floating around in the air right now. I can tell you that this morning. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Already been at it before you stopped mm-hmm. in this morning. I had to be on a job at 7 in Arcadia this morning. So I, I'm, I'm just in between work right now. <laughs> so. And when you're looking at doing a winter garden right now, you would it kind of, kind of come up earlier with Vaughn's question, whether or not, you know, what to apply to – kill his crabgrass, it would depend on whether or not he was or wasn't going to have a winter lawn. If somebody's going to plant a winter lawn, what should they be prepping with right now if they've got weeds that are in there? Or are they all going to die and in the winter and don't worry about it, just overseed and go about your business? No, we have been working with that. So what we would do is if they're going to overseed within October, we don't use a pre-emergent. We would just go with it, or it's a very light rate of pre-emergent. And the gallery is a lot safer for winter rye. I've had it used two weeks before rye, and it's fine. And it'll control the broadleaf weeds only. So we would go in right now with a heavy 2,4-D and some fertilizer and nutrients, and that would help stimulate their ryegrass. So it actually works really well before the rye. But we don't, use any, don't want to use a pre-emergent. Not going to have good luck with the ryegrass. Unless it's the specific for, and there's two different types of pre-emergence. You know, ones for grass, ones for pre-emergence, ones for everything. So, you're the expert. <laughs> so <laughs> they say. I don't. I don't. I don't have to plant winter grass. I have to. And the reason for that is because you have artificial turf. When we get back, that's what we're going to be talking about doing the final lawn transition uh, for at least two decades. If, if you're going artificial turf. All right, let's talk about that final transition, the last lawn transition you'll make for at least two decades, going to artificial turf. And I had always thought of going to artificial turf for water savings. You don't have to mow the maintenance. But uh, what, what did you say during the break, Ray? There's some properties you get to that's just such a weed hell. They're never going to get a lawn back. <laughs> yeah, Rosie, there are some properties 
we just walk into them, and if they have the scale, the nuts edge, the Bermuda, there's one, as a matter of fact, we're doing right now for a, a gentleman named Tyson. Very nice. Uh, he was a landscape contractor. He's over there in Joe Cocky off of Camelback. Big front yard. That's all he had. Nuts edge, everything. So we're transitioning everything out to artificial grass. And the reason he's doing it, there's a myriad of reasons. The one is the money with the watery. He doesn't have flood over there on his property. Most of them are flooded in that area. So he's going to incorporate the artificial. We, we already did the pavers. That's all done. Now we're going to run our steel border and then put the artificial, all the front area. And if you ever want to see it, it's on Joe Cocky, just almost by the canal. <clears throat> and then uh, he's doing it for money savings. He knows he's never going to have a nice lawn. So they were thinking about doing real grass, but the water and the insects and the everything that's in there, he's just never going to have a nice lawn. All those lawns in Arcadia, if you go look at them, and I know Jay can vouch for this, not many of them have nice lawns unless they're new. But once you get the flood in there, you're bringing all the seeds and all the problems in there. And there is a lot of problem we're having with the pearl scale right now. There's also Bermuda blight that's coming in and in the early times of the, the spring, summer. You, have you seen that uh, Bermuda decline? Or some lawns are just, we're losing them. And I was worried about that with yours. That's why we're doing so much with Rosie's lawn, with the fungicide. But he's got a really nice lawn that's been taken care of. So some of those we incorporate with the artificial grass. It, they do it for, so cosmetic, saves water. Also with mosquitoes over in the Arcadia area, because all the flood, the mosquitoes don't live in that artificial grass. Either do ticks or insects. So if you want a dog area for the backyard, very good pet turf. And it, it's a short pile height, so it, it, it's perfect. And it's beautiful. All the grass is made that we use in America. So the yarn is manufactured here, not overseas. And this is the key. When you're getting a lower price on artificial grass, the yarn is manufactured somewhere else because there's no way to make a profit. And we are in business to make a profit. Well, we want everybody's lawn to look beautiful. If you're using, if you're getting a low number, call the manufacturer and say, where is the yarn manufactured? If they say overseas, don't use it. It's going to be polypropylene or something, some type of material like that. It's going to break down. It'll turn yellow. It'll start. You'll see lines in the grass and et cetera, et cetera. It's just a bad thing. And in three to four or five years, you're going to have to replace it or just live with an ugly grass. Whereas now we have grass installed 20 years and it's still green. So, And if you sat down and did the ratio out on a calculator and, you know, the cost for the cheaper grass versus – a good American made grass and how much longer it lasts. It gets cheaper every single year that it continues to, you know, perform versus having to rip it out every three to five years. Cause you're going with the cheap stuff. Yeah. And it's not that much more. It's just maybe unless you're doing a 30,000 square foot job, if it's just an 800 square foot job, which most of them are, it's not, yeah, there's a, there's a difference, but it's, it's going to pay well, for itself. It's nothing compared to what it'll cost you to take it out in three and redo it in less than four or five years, which removing <clears> – <throat> I've seen it done. I've never done it, but taking out an artificial lawn, that's a lot. And that's hard to get out, man. All that stay, sand and stuff that's in there, it's it's a mess. Oh, that's true. So the, the, one other thing, I did tell uh, a customer of mine that I would talk – 
Jennifer, she has some trees that she's taken out. It was a sister tree. She took it out. She has a garden now in her backyard. They took the stump out. They didn't treat it at all. So we have to come in there, and she wants to maybe put artificial grass down. Well, I didn't treat the trunk, so now we really don't know. It's going to be a, a work in progress. So I, I gave her some pointers at what we can do to minimize that. But if you're taking a tree down, some of the acacias, things like that, you, we need to treat the tree, especially if it's right in where the grass is going. So that's pertinent. Anybody out there that's thinking of installing grass, make sure you – because you, the trees will come up through the grass. Well, and, and so will Bermuda grass if you don't yep, kill it good. that's it. So we have the sister company, Scott's the Weed Control. So we actually do everything in-house. We do everything properly. And the, so the base is the most important thing of the artificial grass. You get the base done, get the Bermuda killed off. And we did kill a section for Rosie, and I know it took – what four applications <laughs> and it works pretty good now so he's going to put his garden in there or whatever you want to do i don't know but it took a while so to do it properly you don't want to rush this and you, you can't do it once it gets cold no so no got to do it now now's the absolute best time to kill bermuda grasses because they're storing up carbohydrates to get through the dormancy which means they'll suck in <laughs> uh herbicides really good too so <clears throat> If you're thinking about doing this even this winter or later this spring, now would be a great time to eliminate that turf. Uh, you know, and you know, just you know, I don't know, live with it, I guess. But don't come Christmas time or first of the year go, darn it, let's get that artificial turf in because Man. that Bermuda grass is dormant. You, it's not going to kill. And we do have one of your customers named Joy. We're gonna. I keep trying to tell her we need. To, she, it's a money situation. I said, well, I don't even need to get paid. Let's just at least get the grass systemically started to kill and then install it January, February, whenever. But we need to get on that, and I won't even charge you for it. As long as we, I know we're going to get the artificial grass job. She just doesn't want the watering and the headache and the mowing and everything else. So, You had a question about a tree in the middle of artificial, how, how close you can. I've been sitting on it a whole week. A texter texted yeah. in last week when we were talking well, about Ray coming in. How I guess I might, I might make Ray mad this, but I, if I had a tree, I wouldn't put artificial turf in a tree area. But you need to leave plenty of room. But uh, you can. People do it. It works. But don't water right by the trunk, right? Right. That's correct. All right, Jay Harper, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us, along with Ray Lopez, Scottsdale Weed, or Liberty Greens. What's a phone number? 602-622-7818.